the incomparable. Number 544, December 2020. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. It's Kilmas, where we celebrate the films of Val Kilmer, because I say so. And this episode is about 1984's Top Secret! Exclamation point in the title. Uh, starring, of course, Val Kilmer. And also, uh, it's a Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker picture. The people who brought you Airplane and the Naked Gun. This is the unsuccessful movie they did in between those two franchises. (laughs) And here to join me uh, to celebrate Kilmas this week are the following wonderful people. David J. Lore, hello. I'm sorry you have me mistaken with someone else. I'm Mel Torme. Mm -hmm. Kelly Gamont is here. Hello. Jason, how do we know he's not Mel Torme? Mm, It's a good question. Lisa Schmeiser is here. Hi. Are you lonesome tonight? <laughs> Is your kitchen a fright? <laughs> uh, live from Lisa's kitchen, it's Philip Michaels. <laughs> it really is a fright. Thank you for having me, Jason. I, I'd like to think I'm, how do you say, indispensable to this podcast? Indispensable. Indispensable to this podcast. <laughs> and the one joke I remember from this movie. And Steve Lutz. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Jason. I'm excited to be here on this Kilmas Eve. I've got mm. my 1984 vintage bottle of Ripper Blanc with the screw top. <laughs> Hang on, let me pop that off real quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hissing, it's good. Hissing sounds. It's good. Hissing sounds. It's hissing good. sounds. So, uh, Top Secret is a parody of many things, as you might expect from the Zazz Boys. Uh, it is it is a uh, a spy movie. It is a teen music vehicle. I guess it's really an Elvis movie. Steve, it's an now, Elvis spy movie. It's, now, it's, it's, it, it is literally an Elvis movie. Now let's, they're, let's they're, go yeah. to Philip Michaels, the world's most foremost expert on <laughs> Elvis movies. Yes, the world's foremost expert within, within your shot. Yeah, um, I really love Elv- Elvis movies um, because oh, they are yeah. the closest to being a movie without actually being a movie. Mm. In that there's... <laughs> There's plots and songs, and Elvis plays a guy who sings a lot. And there, there is actually a movie called uh, Harem Scarum that uh, Elvis made, which he thought was going to be like a serious movie where he plays a guy who uh, goes to perform in a foreign country and ends up getting uh, dra- dragooned into the, the resistance to overthrow what is, um, uh, in th- that movie, a, a corrupt cheek, but in uh, in our movie is a corrupt East German government, I guess. But it's, guess. it's Elvis. It's Elvis movies. It's, well, and it's, it's Harem Scarum crossed with The Conspirators, which was a film from the 40s that brought back a lot of the cast of Casablanca. Without, you know, the leads. Right, because it is also mm-hmm. Casablanca at no, several no, points. No, just Casablanca for the leads. Come on. And, I know. And, and if Airplane, the previous Sucker Abrams Sucker movie, is basically they, they bought the rights to a to zero hour and turned it into a mm-hmm. comedy, that this is them taking all these uh, bits and bobs and pieces and, and trying to make a, a weird spy war picture in the 1970s and 80s. Yeah. Although set in the 50s or possibly the 70s. It's hard to say. <laughs> and, you know, they they tried to make the excuse that it didn't do well because it didn't have a consistent time frame or reality or any of that. And I'm looking at it going, that's what every episode of The Goon Show was in the 50s. The British got it. Yeah. Why didn't we? Mm-hmm. You know, 
because they, they, they would just mash up every genre into half an hour and go crazy. So this this movie was a a flop at the box office, and um, I I have not seen it since the mid eighties. Um, and so I watched it last night, thinking, well, Val Kilmer's in it. I know that much. Let's see how it <laughs> let's see how it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I have an admission to make, which is. I kind of loved this movie. It has its moments. <laughs> I, I really does. I, I mean, it is, and I want to. I want to. Um, I don't know. We, I'll walk through what happens mostly, so we can say, "Hey, that was a funny yeah. joke," or not, because the plot makes no sense and doesn't matter. There's but very plot. little plot. It's very light it, on plot. I mean, there plot. is one, but it's like a shaggy dog plot. And anyway, but but one of the things that I was I was thinking about is. When this movie works, how does it work? Why does it work? And when this movie doesn't work, why is that? And and, and the thing, I, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong here, if there's anything you can say about these Zucker, Abrams, Zucker movies, and this one is no exception, it feels <laughs> as if every single page of the script was gone over by a large writer's room and every possible joke was injected <laughs> into the script because there's not... A moment in this movie where there isn't a gag happening and it it goes and you kind of have to pace yourself you kind of have to be like whoa you know just just every third i'll just pay attention to every third gag because there are so many and some of them hit and some of them don't but that i found as i ended up being kind of charmed by the ludicrous (laughs) uh musical numbers that, yes. that that I think I might have liked this movie if they had just backed off on the jokes a little bit because mm-hmm. it's so manic. There are just so many of them that it's like, stop, stop, slow it down a little. Just a yeah, little. Let us, let us appreciate the jokes while, they, while you see them. What I would say is the reason why this was a flop in comparison to Airplane is because it's not nearly as crammed full of gags as that movie. Interesting. Was. Exactly. Now, that movie had yeah. roughly three gags per line. Ha. Huh. And and there are... St- I've... I've, I've like you, I haven't seen this movie since the mid-80s where I saw it once or twice, and literally the only thing I remembered about it was the anal intruder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, that, that does well, leave that an impression tracks. on you as it a young yeah. kid. <laughs> it leaves a smile on your face. Are you referring to the, uh, the appliance or are you referring to the scene with the cow? Anyway. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I I will say that that there were no parents around to give me guidance when I watched this PG movie with the <laughs> anal intruder yeah. featured prominently in it. I I went and saw it in the theater in 1984 mm-hmm. with no parental guidance. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and as I'm watching as I'm watching the movie tonight, I'm thinking, wow, my parents were really pity. They really <laughs> did not manage my. See, my parents wouldn't let me go see it. So mm-hmm. this gives you a little bit of a window into the kind of upbringing I had in the 1980s. Airplane also does a much better job of like sticking to a genre in the movie. Yes. Yeah. And, ah, yes. That's and, exactly and, that's right. That's the problem, I think. Well, that's one of yeah. the because, problems. Because they're working off a specific template. Yes. That's why Police Squad works so well, too, because that's just episodes of M-Squad. And Top Secret is all over the place. Like, it, right. it, it, is, yeah. it is like other movies break out in the middle of this movie, which right. yeah. on one level I kind of appreciate, but it does it does sort of sap your uh, momentum a little bit. Yes. And yeah. this is really the the zazz of Kentucky Fried Movie, which is scattershot, it's random sketches, it's just, it's not really a movie. But it's that's just also far more stuff. laden with jokes than this is. It's it true. is also funnier, yeah, because each thing is consistent. I, I, I saw it like maybe twice in the 80s, 
And I've seen Airplane hundreds of times. Oh, yes. I must have seen it many, many dozens of times back in the 80s, and I've seen it many times since. And there are still things I find in the background of that movie that I never noticed before. Yes. <laughs> and it's just so crammed full of stuff. Whereas this, it's, I think it's partly because they're trying to do something different with the musical numbers, and those musical numbers, by definition, you know, they kind of, the gags slow to almost a trickle during those, even though mm. I find them delightful. Yeah. But if yeah. you came in wanting it to be bang, 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 quotable line, quotable line, which is what Airplane is from start to finish, and you get this, then I can see where people might walk out and and it would get the bad word of mouth because it's just, it's not the same movie as, as Airplane in that respect. There there are long stretches where there is nothing funny right. happening. You're carried along by Val Kilmer being Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. You're carried along by a gag that goes on too long. Uh, like when he's when he's trying to make his escape from the jail cell, that is just a little bit. You know, we get it. Oh, we no. get yeah. it. Keep I going. Love that bit. <laughs> it's I, I a great too. bit. I don't think it's too long. That's a good visual gag. I, I love Val Kilmer's performance in this. There are yeah, other things where too. there are just stretches, and and like this time through, I was freeze framing it to say, all right, am I missing anything in the background? Yep. I did or am the same I missing thing. little little yeah. posters or little gags? And there are a lot of scenes that just don't have any. There are some that have great things in the background. They could have done a little more work on this. But I, but I think it is that they just didn't have a template to work off. There's a scene where they're, I think they're singing what's supposed to be like the East German National Anthem or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're panning across the crowd. And I'm straining trying to figure out, well, where's the funny thing that's hidden amongst the crowd? Yeah. And it goes on for almost 30 seconds. And there's just it's nothing. It's just the subtitles. And, and, it's and just the subtitles. I guess not actually very funny. It's a parody of like a school song of some it's kind. And that's supposed song. to be the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't go to that high school, so I missed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know if I agree about that. There that I wanted the pace to be more, but certainly it mm. ends up in a very weird in an, in this uncanny valley where it isn't quite a movie and it isn't quite a joke canon. It's just yeah. kind exactly. of kind of in between. And there are scenes where they do have the the visual jokes, like yes. when they're in the, yes. the der pizza halls or um, <laughs> yes. in the background. You have them pulling apart the pizza and the the the, the cheese is unbreakable. Oh my god! So, right. So good. I love that. And, and that like that's the uh, sort of that's the sort of thing that I, th- I I think they had more of that going on in the background. But to switch between no background jokes, crazy background jokes, mm-hmm. you, you get a little bit of a a whiplash. Yeah. Yep. And and in airplane, the background jokes are really well framed. They're very clear, even when there's something crazy going on in the background. You notice it while you're paying attention to the serious conversation. And sometimes the background jokes are continuations of what had been foreground jokes, or sometimes they set things up for future jokes, too. Yeah. And and there are things in this that set up later and come back, like the fireplace, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when when uh, uh, Val Kilmer goes into the, the restaurant, they say, oh, you need, you need fancy dress. Oh, come with me, sir. Come with me. And in the background... Uh, every time they cut back to seeing him in the background, you see that they're actually measuring him and then mm-hmm. actually cutting and sewing a tuxedo on the spot. And it's not very well framed. No, it's not. It's really hard yeah. to pay attention to that. Like, Jason, it was a lot of fun for me. I've seen it kind of here and there uh, since it came out and always sort of enjoyed it. I haven't seen it as many times as I've seen Airplane, but <laughs> I have enjoyed it. And uh, and. I think part of what I like about it is that it just it's just weird. Like all of a sudden we take a left turn and we're in a different movie. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden a musical breaks out in the middle of the spy film. And, you know, like 
mm-hmm. you know, and then there's a prison break. But in the middle of the prison break, we have the Blue Lagoon and like thing after thing. Yeah. After th- <laughs> yeah. Like you just kind of have to like, like, you know, let go and let Kilmer. Like you just got to kick back and <laughs> wait it's... for it to happen. Oh, man. I need a T-shirt now. Let go and let Kilmer. It's a Kilmus miracle. Thank you, Kelly. Let <laughs> yes. go and let Kilmer. I, I think it also suffers from the fact that they get really topical with the jokes. Yes. Yes. That airplane there are some topical jokes in airplane but the 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 there are so many gags in airplane that that you you the timeless ones are the ones that stick where it's yeah. you, you really need like a, a man to explain the early 80s to you to 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 make it through some of this stuff <laughs> we did do a lot of pausing and googling and explaining like when when, the, when no when the east german women's olympic team comes by to give everyone medals we had to pause and then explain that whole thing mm-hmm. to now to do let's look up anal fun. and intruder in the yeah, no, no, we, no. we had our daughter leave the room at that scene. <laughs> yes. like, can you go get daddy something from the kitchen? Okay, yeah. what do you want me to in, get? Oh, any, just get anything. Anything. And it takes five minutes to put together. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. But in Airplane, even when you get like a topical movie gag, it's not really topical, right? From Here to Eternity was 20-something years old at that point. Saturday Night Fever, it was a giant hit. And here we have The Blue Lagoon. Yeah. From well, because they're doing a mashup of genres. I think one yeah. of the yeah. pr- one of the yeah. problems is is they didn't lean into the, the full stupidity of an Elvis movie. Right. Yep. Because if yes. they had yep. just had Val, if the premise had been Val Kilmer makes an Elvis movie, and it's Elvis is a member of the French Resistance, there's there is your movie right there. <laughs> That's brilliant. He's a That's... mechanic who sings and joins the French Resistance. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And his singing is a cover. Yeah, and that would have been enough. And then you do your Casablanca ripoff. You do your French Resistance movies ripoff. You have somebody who channels um, Peter Lorre at some point, and it would all work. But they tried to mash together the Elvis movie with the Cold War sensibility that they're clearly pushing with yeah. this, this weird-ass parody. And there's a Jimmy Carter joke in the middle of it, which mm-hmm. also really <laughs> which throws the timeline into question. Falls yeah, really <laughs> like, well. You know how you, J- Jason was talking about, yeah, this, this movie has the feel of an overstuffed writer's room where they just kept cramming jokes in and what comes to me is they should have done a lot of editing of like the plot and the premise and then you could have thrown every joke at the wall and had them all yeah. stick but yeah this way it's just kind of frustrating because the, the whole point of the movie is diffuse and you're like eh. yeah. speaking of diffuse i'm going to uh describe some parts of the movie just so that we have <laughs> something that we can go through instead of just sort of randomly bouncing <laughs> off of this movie but that, yeah. that would be more fitting to randomly bounce off things in a Sucker Abram Sucker it, movie. It's true. Uh, this this movie true. starts with a uh, a spy scene. There is a fight on a train. Omar Sharif is there. He's uh, he's fighting a, against a bad guy, and they, there ends, ends up being that they're on the top of the train, and a bridge is coming. And, of course, it's that famous thing. We've seen it a bunch of times. I thought, oh, what was the state of this cliche from movies in 1984, what's going to happen here? And of course the answer is that, uh, you know, Omar Sharif ducks so that the bad guy is standing up when they hit the, the, um, the train uh, or the, very uh, low the, train or the little over, overpass. And, uh, it just all breaks into little pieces as the guy stands there and it doesn't harm him at all, which I thought was a pretty good gag. And then it's followed by a cut to the East German high command, which is, uh, there's a, a sign in English outside the building that says East German yeah. high command, which East I appreciated. That's a great, and, joke. uh, and they learned that there is a, a, an American performer coming to the great cultural, festival uh and this is this is where we meet our villains being the east germans and i think one of the things that i find very peculiar about this is that 
this movie doesn't just want to be a Cold War movie. This movie wants to be a World War II movie. Yeah. And so, it really does. So the East Germans who, let's just keep in mind, the Nazis were defeated and then the communists uh, took over in the East. Uh, and yet these communists are also Nazis? It's <laughs> yes. very and strange. And they're yeah. all British. Very strange. Because it, it's actually, it's taken from the from a perfectly logical thing when you think about it. Well, all German bad guys are Nazis. Uh-huh. Ergo, the bad guys in our movie will be Nazis too. I, 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 I thought, I, I actually, that's always been something that, that tickles me. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just peculiar. <laughs> I would also like to point out that since I saw this when it came out in theaters and didn't see Lawrence of Arabia until the 1990s. Oh, no. <laughs> to me, Omar Sharif was, hey, it's the guy from Top Secret. Oh, boy. Oh, you no. see, every time, in, every wow. time he does something in this, I would, at the end of the scene, I just go, Omar Sharif, ladies yep. and gentlemen. There's this little cockeyed smile that he does at a couple of times yes. during his scenes that just slays me. Like he's after after the uh, the big Nazi who shows up in like two scenes and then disappears never to be seen again, which makes me wonder if some stuff didn't get left out on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he destroys the bridge with his backside, and then there's just like this little weird grin that Omar Sharif does that's just like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Apparently, they did cut a half an yeah, hour they, of the they film cut a lot out of that. after the test screenings. I noticed uh, when I was watching it that it was one hour thirty minutes, and it didn't feel too long to me it felt like maybe we could have used a little bit more time but it didn't feel it felt to me like it hustled right along i mean i can't say plot wise because like you have to air quote that but um like there was never a point where it was like yeah yeah get get back to making jokes or get back to the musical numbers or whatever like it does kind of hustle right along and it's a really nice 90 minutes to get to spend i mean like one of the nicest things I can say about stuff that I've watched this year is that uh, for a minute, it kind of helps me forget that it's all kinds of 2020 outside. It, it doesn't yeah. outstay its welcome, and I think that is a good thing. And if they cut yeah. half an hour yeah. from it, I think it's probably a good idea. It's be- this is yeah. better as a silly 90-minute uh, romp than it would be maybe if you if you had an extra uh, half hour of stuff. The next scene, Oh, yeah, I don't need another half hour. The next sure. scene is the skeet surfing musical number where... <laughs> Which is which so is not just much. a parody of a Beach Boy song, but literally all <laughs> Beach all Boy of songs all at of once. Them. Yeah. Oh, it's just so transcendently stupid, and I love it so much. <laughs> this movie is really dumb in really smart ways. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one of them. And I love how they take it to the logical conclusion where you see people ducking because the, the, the bullets are Shots aiming at them. Yes. The, the, the yeah. logistics of, of firing the, the pigeons off from the beach. <laughs> While they're in there and the different waves and the, and trying to shoot and you can see the 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 guys who they've got acting out on the surfboards mm-hmm. are struggling with the to mime or fire off the guns. There are a few gunshots that are obviously special effect uh, because mm-hmm. they didn't fire, but they need them to look like they were shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's it's just so charming and in, in its way of being you know completely ridiculous. Uh, opening musical number for this Elvis movie, basically. It was terribly clever, like, to get... but And, like, if you get to the end of that, you know if this is for you. Yes. You know, like, (laughs) I feel like when you get to the moment in front of the East German High Command when he takes the reins off the motorcycle and ties the motorcycle to the fence, (laughs) if you don't, like, at that moment, you know if you're in or you're out. Like it's it should be abundantly clear to you in that by the time you get there that this is a movie for you or maybe not for you. And I love that this builds Nick's character, right? Val Kilmer's character. 
Nick Rivers, American <laughs> rock star, yep. because you get all the the overlays of all these magazine covers like Rolling Stone and Time and Life and U.S. News and World Report. And <laughs> huh? And then it just keeps going with more and more entertainment magazines. It's fun. And Guns and Ammo, I believe. And Guns and Ammo is one <laughs> yes. of them. Yes. yes. I have to say one of my favorite uh, tropes of 80s movies is the montage of magazine covers. Oh, yes. Love it in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Love it in Stripes. Mm-hmm. Love it here. And yep. it's a catchy song. And it is a catchy song. That it, too. It is, absolutely. Well, yeah, oh. because it's the Beach Boys' greatest hits. It's all the Beach Boys' <laughs> yes. songs. Yes. In the credits, it literally says skeet surfing based on and lists five Beach Boys like songs. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's all of them, and it's great. And they're all Val Kilmer, too. Like, that's <laughs> yep. him singing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you can tell. Yep, you can. <laughs> that's, you know, I, I have decided that I I don't like the cognitive dissonance of having the singing voice of a character be obviously not that person's voice. I would rather yeah. it be their voice and have it be not as expert a voice. Mm-hmm. And besides which, he's a, you know, he's a teen heartthrob. He's not, yeah. you know. He's yeah. fine. No. He's fine. fine. It's the whole package. It's not the voice. Yeah. Exactly. I was not paying attention to the package. <laughs> That's the ballet it's scene. The package in the ballet scene. Oh. Thank you. Oh Thank you. Okay, we need to get there. Yes. <laughs> All right, time to take a little break and tell you about our sponsor. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Ninja Santa. Are you feeling festive yet? If you are not, maybe you've been busy with work. Maybe you haven't checked in with your loved ones for a while. Maybe it's just, you know, it's 2020 and you're missing that festive feeling. And you're just a little flat. Ninja Santa is an iMessage sticker app. It's here to help you spread a little joy with family and friends because the holidays is a time for fun. Why not send an iMessage with a goofy Ninja Santa sticker? You got little emoji-style faces, ninja-inspired scenes and characters, all to send the people you want to spread a little joy to. Uh, Not just snowy winter scenes, Ninja Santa travels the globe, of course, because that's what Santa does, has a full set of summer stickers, too. I am now uh, instructed by Ninja Santa to follow these instructions, and I'm going to send... Um, an iMessage to the panelists who are on this episode, Ninja Santa. I've got uh, little snowflake choices, which are no sunglasses, and uh, sunny choices, which feels better, I think. I, I don't I don't really know why. I mean, it's top secret sunglasses. Maybe it's a sort of like a spy thing I'm going to have. He's going to like X's for eyes. I'm going to choose that one. I'm going to send it to all of them. And I'm going to type in Mary Kilmus to all. There it goes. Grab this little sticker set for yourself. It's fun. And, you know, we need something lighthearted this year. Go to GetNinjaSanta.com right now to be directed to the App Store. And you can grab the sticker for just 99 cents. Thank you, Ninja Santa. On to Germany, where uh, they are to going to East Germany, and there, there's a they they they're inspected on the train. The dogs are barking. Uh, there's a bunch of German shepherds and a small dog. A man is shot, <laughs> and it discovers that he has got a bag full of uh, of milk bones, of dog biscuits. That's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that joke. Uh, <laughs> there's lots of translation jokes here about you put. He said he put you on the Montgomery Ward mailing list. That's a terrible thing. There's a joke nobody ever will ever get again. Nope. Exactly. You'd have to Once this it. generation dies out. Yep. And then there's the joke about also then the train station heads the other direction because it is also on <laughs> on uh, on a wheels. moving vehicle of and some sort. And then for, for no apparent reason, strange. a tree drives <laughs> along the train tracks uh-huh. in another direction. Yeah. I did, Which, I did, yep. 
that must be one of those things that had connective tissue that went away because it makes no sense. I imagine that there was a spy nest or something in the tree and they just didn't bother with that, but it is a non sequitur yeah. kind of thing. No, but it's here we are. phenomenally stupid. Eastern That's Germany. why I love it so. Shortly thereafter, we get his spy contact. Uh, and again, stop me if there are jokes that you would like to mention that I'm not getting to. I didn't write down all the jokes because <laughs> there are so many. So, so Omar Sharif gets... Uh, the squirting flower in the nose. The exploding he gets cigar. The exploding cigar. exploding cigar. He gets the shaving cream that explodes all over him. Yep. Um, he takes a lot of abuse in this movie. He really he does. does. And he remains like dapper yeah. throughout this it. This is not the Howard Johnson's, he says, as his car is crushed <laughs> into little, a little tiny square, yeah. which, which mm-hmm. he survives and walks around as a man as a in a little tiny car. car. <laughs> and he's still <laughs> dapper through the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it, it, do, it does keep going. With the coat and tie scene is, is yeah. follows here where he's not, yeah, Val Kilmer needs a coat, coat and tie. And then, you know, moments later, he basically has had mm-hmm. a... Uh, uh, a tuxedo made for him. Which is when we meet our heroine. Yes. Indeed. Hillary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just is sort of around, and then it's mm-hmm. like this accidental thing, and we end up with uh, they dance, and it's in in one in a genuinely hilarious choreographed group yes. dance. This um, that this is a fantastic Walt- oh, choreography. So this is funny. easily my yeah. favorite scene in the movie. They it's keep, amazing. They keep yes. things just just plausible enough until the yes. last moment. I mean, there's stupid little things like the little hops, and then there's yes. like pointing yeah. at each other's faces yes. and stuff that's happening, and, the, and then and the, the last ten seconds are just pure unhinged brilliance. It's yeah. so great. That it's that so is weird. easily the funniest thing in the whole movie. Oh, it's when they make the tunnel and they're talking as the other dancers are making the tunnel over their heads with the arms. Yep. That yeah. I just See, but you could believe that part. You could uh-huh. believe the little the little flourishes like that. Sure. But then at the end, they do just some insane they things. The choreography at the end is amazing. The amazing thing to me is that they get through that last ten seconds. Everybody does it without breaking. Yes. Yeah. Because it is so ridiculous. So well, that the, 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 the cl- classic comedy is uh, people seriously doing stupid things. It's why mm-hmm. it's why Monty Python's fish dance is so. Yep. so yes, the fish slapping dance also is classic one of my for that reason. Python I have a theory <laughs> that one of the reasons this scene works, and actually why I think all of the musical scenes work, or most of the musical scenes work in this movie, is that dance scenes and musical scenes like this in movies are kind of fundamentally unreal and weird and mm-hmm. one I think what this movie is doing is it it puts your brain in a space of I'm just going to accept that this yes. is happening because it, any musical you watch you just have to accept like yeah. okay mm-hmm. this is the part where it's not really real and then while your brain is turned off from that it starts really doing things that are weird and your brain's like well, wait wait it could be it it no it like and and I think that that actually is a really great effect of like of like a musical bit or a dance bit that uh you know people other other movies take very seriously and then to do that and to get you in that frame of mind and then pull the rug out from under you and have it be completely ridiculous I I don't know it really works for me because I I feel like it, it works on that second level and and the dancing here is the same thing where you just get that you keep sliding down oh, yeah. and it's like okay this is a little bit weird but it is a dance number no no it's really weird yeah. and it just keeps on going I I like it they take it seriously when they do the the number in the pizza hall Watch the choreography the next time you watch it. It's really good. It's full-on choreography. Uh, this this then leads to, of course, uh, the, the favorite music is going to be performed, and the Russian uh, musician is pr- preparing to go and perform the favorite music for the 
the head of, of whatever this East German dig- dignitary is who's <laughs> there. And of course, Val Kilmer's like, oh, yeah, that's going to be me. I got to I got to get up me. and do that. And uh, before the, the, the Russian guy can even get up there. Uh, Val Kilmer has appeared with his uh, with the the uh, the classical musicians at the front of the stage and hands out some sheet music so that they can all do tutti frutti. <laughs> and again, the uh, the glee. Uh, you know, it's not too far out uh, in terms of a performance by Val Kilmer. The thing that really gets me is uh, is that background band, the background band of old German men. It's right. amazing. Man, great. Violins frantically bowing. Tutti oh man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I like I like the old the little old man laying on his back with the double bass oh, yes. draped over it. <laughs> and then when they finish the one the one guy who has tied his necktie around his, his forehead mm-hmm. and is destroying his guitar. Smashes yes. his guitar at the end. Perfect. My favorite so silly good. bits. Um the, you cut to the diners and they are doing the the, the little bopping around in their seat. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey. yes. I just I don't know. I, I, I like seeing people um bopping terribly to, to music they barely understand. Yeah. Hey, I, that's, that's I love that team. moment of all of them sort of being into it, even though they, they sort of have no idea why or what's happening. And they're like, but yeah, I'm here for it. And the Russian tenor does the harumph and then storms out. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's the first American musician allowed to perform in East Germany. So obviously they have never even heard this. These, no. these people are the party and- swells. They haven't heard this stuff. Let's see what else. Omar, Omar Sharif does return in the crushed car. Uh, there's an he's, oil can a, bit with Hawaiian punch. Oh God, that's so good. That's a crushed car. So yeah, good. yeah. He looks like the a little she, droid she, from Star Wars. The minute she puts a, she, she she puts in the, 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 the oil funnel and pours the Hawaii, the, like, the, the oil oh, funnel in the Hawaiian punch. You talk about jokes nobody's going to get. That Hawaiian punch used to come in a giant can, and you had to open it yeah. up like an oil can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's again people yeah well that was mm-hmm. what life was like back then yeah. <laughs> and you know he he's going to give her a ticket to the ballet which and she says where is the ticket he goes it's in my glove compartment oh man <laughs> so she says can you reach it well let me try and he activates the windshield wiper which yeah, goes across his wipers. nose and squirts More water abuse. up his nose yeah uh then she goes well let me try and of course bends right over his face yes Yes. And uh, his horn goes off, yeah. and his antenna extends. Antenna extends, and, yep. Oh, that's uh, another joke nobody will get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see, there's a big fight. There's a there's a joke I like where they're they're running to try to find a room, and there's the room that says janitor, and he opens it up, and there's a janitor standing in there, so he close, yeah. that, <laughs> close that door, and they go into the prop room, which is full of which propellers. Which is full of propellers. <laughs> Oh, you have great. you have brushed over the scene at the ballet as they're doing Swan Lake. Oh yes! The, um, oh right. my God! They're not doing Swan and, Lake; they're doing yep. the Nutcracker. My notes oh, just nutcracker. say, me. "Ballet, Sorry. ballet men," and the ballet men are dressed course. in a certain way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the dance belts are very generous. Let's put it that indeed. Way. Very, so much yes. so they could be used as a ledge for various yeah. things. And, <laughs> com- yeah. Complete with boingy boingy noises. Yeah, noises. the boingy boingy noises. The boingy noises make it. Yeah, mm-hmm. really yeah. sell it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it stands out, so to speak. <laughs> you know, one of the jokes that I really love in this movie, is, and and I see it. You know, sometimes the jokes that are telegraphed are still good. When he's yeah. when he, when we cut to, so he gets taken in. Val Kilmer gets taken in, and uh, mm-hmm. he's in cut to jail, and he's putting the last line through the little chalk mark that's twenty on the in little you know the four mm-hmm. and then the fifth one across, yeah. And, yeah. and and you know he says. Oh, thank God you're here. It's been 20 minutes. I love that joke so much. It's such a great joke. 
Yes. I know, I know it's coming. I know it's not been 20 days. I, I well, know, but they still. They just just long enough between the time he makes the final chalk mark and the time when his manager comes in and sits down. Yeah. There's a, enough of a pause there that you're like, maybe they're not going to make the obvious joke that I know is coming. <laughs> they're making the And he makes it at exactly yes. the right time. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I, think, I think that really showcases that this when this movie works, it works because Val Kilmer is just so good at playing a phenomenal idiot. Like he, yes. he, he, he doesn't smirk. He doesn't tip his hand to the joke. Nope. He plays it like he channels Elvis and he plays smiles. He's charming like Elvis. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. And, no, he and plays that perfect like vacant look. Yep. Yes, yeah. exactly. And he's just dumb as a bag of hair <laughs> right. and like, it works in the there's, movie. There's an innocence to his performance here that exactly. I, I don't see in any other future Val Kilmer performance no. ever. <laughs> no, there's you no, think, there's you no think? sort of arrogance or cockiness here. He's just kind and, of, you know, this oh shucks guy who happened I mean, to become yeah. a rock star. There's a wonderful moment in the next scene, but it's a wonderful moment while we're talking about it, where, you know, he, he runs into a person who's also been in the prison and, and he explains how horrible his time in the prison has been and it cuts back to Kilmer and he just has this totally vacant wide-eyed look and he goes, well, that sucks. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is, this is the, the anal intruder scene. Yes, yes, yes. it is. Yes. Hey, yes, it is. hey now. Okay. <laughs> yep. I can't believe he puts on the fist attachment. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I mean, PG, <laughs> that's, you know, that's the, box, the, the box that says the anal intruder is one thing, but when he actually takes it out and it's a jackhammer and then he puts on a fist... <laughs> Go to bed, everybody's kids. Yeah. That stuck with me. Yep. Mm-hmm. I love one of the things I love about the the prison scene. Is, like to me, it was another at mo- like another avenue for the variety of jokes because like we get sight gags and we get clever things, and then in this one we get um the the priest who's just saying different things in Latin yeah, and, and Latin people- and pig Latin, <laughs> right. and then eventually just you know Mitzi Gainer. Yep. And then gets to, like, you're going to get fried in the chair or something, but says it in pig Latin. So, like, it's just another another moment of, like, entertainment and just having the having it come from that instead. And you think uh, he's leading Bell really Kilmer funny. to the mm-hmm. chair, but it turns out it's he he's going in the chair. The priest is in the electric chair and he gets electrocuted. Also, by the <laughs> way, Bell Kilmer's cell has a Cuisinart uh, food processor in it, which I find <laughs> hilarious. That is a very 80s thing. And also a picture of Cher. And a picture of Cher. He of was course. dating her at the time. His girlfriend at the time. Yeah, yeah. that was his girlfriend at the time. So you And a, a crowbar, in case you need one of those. Yeah, in yeah. case you do. You might, <laughs> yeah. you might, you might, a handy crowbar that you can use to get in one vent and out another vent and then in another mm-hmm. vent and then out the toilet. Out and, the cabinet. Yeah, and, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, and then you end up in the other place. The laboratory. The, uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, the uh, there's a there's a cut to uh, scene where again obvious joke, and yet I really appreciate that they went to the trouble of making it to completion, which is which me which is yes yes. Let me know if there's any change. He's dead. He's dead. Yeah. I don't know. I appreciate the the work yeah. that goes into the obvious jokes too. The the obvious jokes need some love. Also, a scene that I think is actually legitimately brilliant is the scene where Val Kilmer. Has the dream that he's as he's being yes. uh, as he's being tortured, being and tortured. Yes. Cool. that 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 <laughs> he's he he's back in school and he's missed an exam and then he wakes up to find he's it was just a dream and he's being tortured and he's like oh thank god he's so happy about it like the <laughs> so smile great. he's like oh, oh yay. it's oh, oh, thank just- god. That is <laughs> such a good joke. Oh my that god! Also has, this scene also has one of the the few uh, top secret jokes that has uh, persisted in popular 
culture in that every time the New York Post um, does something horrible, yes. which is frequently, ah, right, you, yeah, will, yeah. you will see a screen cap of a, this is Klaus. He is an idiot who only knows what he reads in the New York Post. <laughs> yeah. And and then the very next scene where uh, Jeremy Kemp's flunky comes in and says, he still hasn't broken. Do we break out the Leroy Neiman paintings? Oh, yes. No, Which no. is, again, out of nowhere. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not a reference to anything in particular. Somebody I who's got a subscription to line. Sports Illustrated or something. <laughs> I've quoted that line for 35 years. <laughs> he, me- he meets he meets the, the good doctor, um, Dr. Flamond, uh, Hillary's father. Yes. Yes. And uh, and he's got a plan. There's a complicated plot plan involving subs and things that they're going to, the subs are going to come through and the Straits of Gibraltar and they've got a thing that they're going to do and it's going to be, it's the East German attack on the U.S. And it, they're going to blow up all the NATO subs it when they're in the Straits of Gibraltar at the same time. It doesn't Hillary's really matter. Father played by Alfred Pennywise. No, no, yes. not Michael Caine. No, not Jeremy Irons. No, <laughs> no the other, the other Alfred Michael Pennywise. Yeah. The other, it's a good other one. Alfred. It's a lovely scene Ooh. between these two great actors who would once again work in a masterpiece of a film. <laughs> yes. True. In a later, oh my god! <laughs> in a Batman movie to come. Oh, that. Yes. Gotta go to IMDb trivia now and put that in. Nick Rivers. <laughs> yeah. I feel um, like I feel like during the making of that film, they were like, "Remember when we thought Top Secret was going to be a dog?" <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Val, Val Kilmer is going to be uh, a shot, but they decide to they decide to save him. They they he must be allowed to perform. Yes, that's right because. Of that, so we have that, and there's you know, the microphone and underpants, and I don't know, like things. This movie just is is relentless. It hits all the concert cliches of you know he's he's got all the women swooning and screaming. He pulls instead of them throwing underwear at him, he pulls out his underwear and throws it at them. Yeah, and throws it. Then there's a series of of suicide attempts on stage, which, <laughs> no, which well, this, yeah. well, it's the, the second song. favorite musical numbers, I'm sure. Yeah, and my favorite musical number is the one where he is singing the. Uh, 1950s love ballad about oh babe I'm just gonna end it if you don't love me and he literally is trying to hang himself and his background singers have he to puts save his him. head he's in got the a oven. oven that he's gonna stick his head into it's like the James Brown bit right where yeah. like he he's yeah, exactly. walking off and he throws off the cape and he comes back out it's that except he's and trying one of the background yeah. singers looks very concerned about his <laughs> mental well being <laughs> yeah. yep. well it's very great because it it manages to combine James Brown, but also, you know, the ink spots, the the four freshmen, all the uh oh, who were Elvis's Elvis Five had a backup. Guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's great. I, I actually like the song right before it, the the How Silly How Can silly You Get. Can you get? Yeah. I love that's a catchy song. Yeah, it is. It that's is. just a good song. Yeah, see, again, I think uh, diagno- I, and I, I really enjoyed this movie, but diagnosing it, I kind of really wanted it just to be an Elvis movie. I, I really did yes. because when it is just this gleefully stupid, yes. uh, we got to do a, another musical number and everybody <laughs> smiles and it doesn't make any sense and it's completely ludicrous. I was like, I kind of like it. I think that's the problem because you got your your gag lovers and you got your Elvis movie lovers, and I think that Venn diagram, the the shared area, is very small. Actually, I don't know. I I think you could like an Elvis movie. Movie and you could like a super gag pack movie. I think maybe the problem is, yeah. is that this movie keeps shifting gears. And right. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. okay. No pacing. No that, that's no over. And now there are there yeah. is a cow, which we'll get to. And, and you're like, oh, all right, this is yeah. a, a totally different movie then. So yeah. it's, yeah. A, it's I mean, stuff just it's a mess. happens. Yeah, it's a if, mess. If they had literally, like Zero Hour, like M Squad, if they had just taken one script 
And then, yeah, add stuff in as you're going along, but you follow the story of this script. And this yeah. is much more it like it's so in a blender. Better. He does. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a great moment. They, they lower the guitar like, like it's going to be this guitar. triumphant uh, <laughs> next thing. The guitar is going to come down. He's going to play it. And then he just grabs on and it lifts him away. That's a, uh, a very funny moment. And I think that's what Prince was trying to do at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So he was just going <laughs> to throw the guitar and just continue up. Like that, like the grappling hook later on, actually. That's how that works. <laughs> it's physics. It happens. They flee on bikes. They they, they loosen all the other bikes and mm-hmm. uh, go, yeah, and let the bikes flee like uh They turn on their horses. little headlights. <laughs> they turn on their headlights and flee into the night. Yep. Yeah. They do the classic ki- kiss to disguise. A bunch of people land on a giant pigeon mm-hmm. statue. Yes. Right? And pee on it. Uh-huh. Yep. They do. And then the pigeon still goes to the bathroom at the end of the, it, of the it, gag, too. Yep. I was like. You know, you yes, don't see that was one button too much. Nope. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nope, because I did not find the guys uh, descending from the sky satisfying enough. And oh, there was there was a beat. I did. I did. I felt it there was, was gilding a the lily. And then there was just an enormous drop from the bird, which yes. I thought was fantastic. <laughs> Different strokes, I guess. Uh, we get our Peter Cushing scene, which is entirely yes. backward. I love it. It's so weird. Well, it's a Swedish bookstore, you see. It is a yeah. Swedish bookstore, and he's got the he's got the magnifying glass, and then it removes it to that his that that eye is actually just magnified, and it's not mm-hmm. the magnifying glass at all. And they're all speaking with subtitles as they as they all move kind of uh, backward, and Val Kilmer throws books up, and it's very clear that it's all backward. And then at the end, a dog runs backward. <laughs> it's like, well, why do we? And you're like, yeah, it's, there we yeah, go. It's, again, again, I, I like that that bit. I don't think that's taking it too far because I that to me is the magician revealing his trick. Yes, yes. Oh, see, this is how I did. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, it's silly. It's silly. It's silly too because it's the punchline, right? Which is like, we did went all this way, and now a dog runs backward. It's like, uh, yeah, right. That's so. So so the the version you guys watched had subtitles. Yes. 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 Interesting. Okay, because the version that fell off a truck that I watched Uh. uh, (laughs) did not have the forced subs, and so it was just this utterly bizarre scene. Where they're talking oh clearly goodness. backwards, and there's no explanation whatsoever <laughs> about Swedish, what's going on. You see, and, and I caution people against watching the iTunes closed captioning because the iTunes closed captioning says they're talking backwards. Oh, oh. thank you, iTunes. <laughs> Thanks, thank iTunes. you. No, I think I, I like my version better. To be honest, you didn't really need yeah. any of the explanation. I, this is. A few years before Twin Peaks, but I definitely had that feeling as well. Like, yes, it is yeah. eerie when they're backward, isn't it? It's yeah. very strange. And I love the the small bits in this. Like, um, he takes the magnifying glass off his eye and his eye is still big, right? Yes. But then he puts on glasses that are one normal size, one giant eye. Yes. And he puts right. them on like, <laughs> hello. And then... You know, and then he walks by the the book. The one book with the prominently displayed title is like "Lesbian Bars of North Carolina" or something. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yeah. and like like all these little small things that happen in this scene that like that nobody talks about. Like yep. nobody gives him a weird look for the glasses. Nobody stops and admires the the printed ode to lesbian bars in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Nobody like nobody stops and, and looks at Val Kimmer like he's standing behind the other two as he tosses the book up to the shelf and is like, hell right. And he stands back there popping his collar for an audience of none. And like, you know, like nobody's noticing because she's having the conversation with Peter Cushing. And like every bit of that scene is fantastic. Even before you get to the part where like they're speaking backwards and what they're saying doesn't really make any sense. 
All right, now we come to the most incisive and insightful bit of satire in this entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, the Blue Lagoon starring Brooke Shields. Oh, this this Christopher Atkins was burned. Yeah, well, Well, I really feel like this is one of the biggest problems with the movie, though, because who cares? Who cares? Like, oh, the guy has a funny curly wig. Ha ha. Like. It does nothing for the plot, though. Well, and why? So it was famously a flop. People didn't like it. It was four years before this movie came out. Why are you punching down to this stupid movie? And I guess it's the point and laugh kind of thing. Because, yeah, I mean, we all recognize anybody who remembers the Blue Lagoon knows that that, the look of the guy who's super pale white and he's got the super curly blonde hair, like, Mm -hmm. and that that, their little flashback to, oh, we were on the island together and we we grew up together and all that. It's like, okay, well, that yes, that is the plot of the Blue Lagoon. I get it. Like, there are a couple of sight gags. There's where she's foraging in the jungle. He spears and the banana. I love him spearing the banana behind the rock. That's, yeah. Yes, that's, that's a good right. Bit. With a flop, a flop is usually, there are exceptions, but a flop is usually not part of the long-term pop culture right. lexicon the same way the same way classic movies or, or good stuff is. And they chose to pin a flashback sequence on a flop and then worse to make part of that flashback sequence, a running gag through the rest of the movie. And it just, it diffuses again, it diffuses the fun of the Elvis movie because every time you look at the guy who, Nigel, who comes up later, you're like, oh, yeah, Christopher Atkins tribute. Might as well have been uh, Heaven's Gate reference right like you know ha take that movie take that randall kleiser director of the blue lagoon (laughs) okay so we do have Ari lumsden tonight here which ends with a good which a good bit which is that they kiss crushing uh val kilmer's guitar which (laughs) i enjoyed that and the camera this is one of my favorite dumb jokes they pan away from the kissing as as a movie would to a fireplace and then they roll in front of the fireplace so the camera pans across to another fireplace. To another fireplace. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I like that. That's Dumb a good joke, bit. but it always works. Good bit. Good bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, cause again, cause your brain is like, ah, yes, they're panning away from the love scene and then they tumble mm-hmm. back into the, the cliche. into the, into the, into the shot. That's a good bit. That's a good bit. I, agree. I like that bit. Yeah. Um, he's just a little horse. <laughs> That's my joke. That is that I your know joke? It's coming. I yeah. know it's coming and I know it's going to be there and I laugh. He's just a little horse. And I, every time. Is he, he okay? You caught a little cold, and he's it's just, just a, a little horse. He's just a little horse, and there's a, a, a pony there. I think it's the guy's accent that makes it for me. Yes, that's that's. I think that's why I love it. But yeah, it I just I, every horse. time. I, I like it every time. I like the potato for, farm because it's like, is this the potato farm? Yes, I'm Mr. Potato, and he's I'm Albert <laughs> Potato. Yeah, and he's up. He's up in the tall window, and then they open the door, and he's very short, and it's like, huh? Yes. Like it's just a. It's like a Simpsons joke. It's a complete non sequitur. And I, I enjoy, yes, Mr. Potato, Albert Potato, or whatever. Yes, the, the, the potato farm. Uh, they're villains inside. Uh, and it turns out that, that yes, the Blue Lagoon guy is Nigel, and, and he's the torch. He's the contact, and it's her boyfriend from the island. Um, and we do have, uh, among the many things here, a, a, a very amusing <laughs> scene where Val Kilmer describes the plot of what has just happened in the movie. And uh, and she says, yeah, I know it sounds like some bad movie. And again, they very slowly look at the camera. <laughs> I, I, love I enjoy him su- summarizing the plot. I enjoy yep. them looking at the camera. <laughs> yep. a, yeah, I'm all yep. I'm all for that scene. We're not going to mention that the French resistance fighters in yeah, that's, this movie. I well, love that's where I'm going. Yes. All have ridiculous names. This is French one of my favorite gags. Over here we have croissant. 
Chocolat mousse. Croissant. Déjà vu. Détente. The, the beauty of that déjà vu scene is is where he does the he does the bit where he says, "Have we met before?" Mm-hmm. And he says, no, I don't think so. And he says, "Oh," and he kind of looks away, and then he looks back with that that sort yes. of déjà vu look yes. on his face. Like, Wait a minute, maybe I have seen you before. It's, but it's, have we? it's yes. perfect. Oh, good. Yeah, and then just all the ridiculous. Everybody's name is is. Is mostly just amusing French words, except mm-hmm. for Chevalier, which is which actually is like the one name. These are stock war movie characters, like literally stock love. war yes. movie characters yeah. that are being. The leader has the perpetual cigarette dangling from his yeah. lips. Yep. <laughs> the always wounded guy who bursts in with the information. Let's read the dream. please. And Dequois, who's him. who's basically there just to shout every time, Latrine! Yes. <laughs> yep. I, they're they're clip art, and I love every one of them. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the beauty of it, right? Is that is that we know who yes. these characters are because they're stock, literally. We stock know characters. the tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, let's see. Uh, we get the scene where the, there's a shootout, and in, and they keep breaking out different glass out of various <laughs> windows to shoot, except for the one window that he can't break out the glass. The tic tac toe. The tic tac toe. Yeah. There's the tic tac toe window. Yeah. I I feel like these. Uh, this shooting out windows scene, first of all, feels like a, an obvious homage to Duck Soup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. and there are, there are I was several moments. About Duck Soup when I several that. moments yeah. in this movie where where and and the Zaz boys did love the Marx Brothers. There's several moments in this movie <laughs> that feel like mm-hmm. for a for a moment they can't keep mm-hmm. it up very long, but for a moment you have entered the like Marx Brothers mode. Right, and it mm-hmm. do, it only lasts for forty five seconds, and then they can't do it anymore. But I did love every every minute that there was a Marx Brothers mode. Well, and I would say that this shooting out windows scene goes on for exactly the right length of time. Yes, it's a perfectly timed bit. Yeah, just yeah. enough stupid window Absolutely. gags that they they strung together yeah. to make it just long enough that you're like, I can't believe they're still doing yeah. window <laughs> gags, and then it ends. <laughs> and <laughs> then it ends with a grenade, uh-huh. which is another one that I know is coming, and I love it. And that's a Marx Brothers bit too, right? The reverse grenade. I love the grenade. Yeah, and but the guy floating up into the ceiling in the background is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. Everybody else flies out the windows, but Ooh. one guy is slowly ascends to heaven. Yep. Yep. And now the movie has become, how you say, indispensable. <laughs> indispensable. Indispensable. <laughs> indispensable. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I do. I do want to call one one quick uh, shout out to a very short scene that happens here when they're all fighting in the house, and that's that uh, the Nazis burst in the door and they're they're fighting and things look dire, and then Chocolat Mousse somehow with his <laughs> oh, machine gun, yes. uh, you know, takes out only the Nazis. Well, he's and just keeps spraying back and forth, <laughs> yes. and, and all the Nazis drop in a short scene that's so short that if you blink, you miss it. Oh man! Like an urban yeah. dude straight out of Good Times walks in and gives him a high five. And goes, my man. My that's man. it. End of scene. <laughs> that's it. Twelve-year-old Phil loved that. Twelve-year-old oh. Phil. Oh, Phil idolized chocolate mousse that he can <laughs> load his uh, machine gun like he's loading a musket, and that he drinks uh, gasoline, and yes. that he can perform a pretty good drop kick on a guy in a wrestling scene later. <laughs> There's yep. a, a scene later where they're out in the woods, and he just reaches over, and someone in a tree hands him a gun. Yeah. Yep. There's I nobody actually there, no. supposedly. <laughs> he just reaches over. There's the gun. There's the gun. Love yeah. chocolate mousse. All right. Pizza House. Pizza mm-hmm. House. We do get another. We, we, we get the straight in the rug final musical number. After this point, it's it's no longer an Elvis movie after this. 
musical yeah. number. We get the you know I'm not I'm not Where's him. I'm Mel Torme. Uh, they, they do the whole thing, and then the pizza, all the cheese is being stretched in the background, which is uh, a ridiculous. This is our final musical number. And important for the plot, this is where mm. they're trying yeah. to figure out where the mole is in their group. Where's yes. the traitor? Who's the, the traitor in their midst? And Nigel says, well, how do we know he's not Mel Torme? Yes. And, you know, and, and so they so eventually he proves who he is by singing the straighten the rug number, at which point... <laughs> Albert Potato says, he is definitely not Mel Torme. <laughs> I just really like the choreography of this piece. Yes. I, I, Val Kilmer's dancing is fantastic in this. And again, it's a perfect it's, good. Cha- it's a perfect channeling of Elvis, and it makes me happy every time I see it. And the song <laughs> is delightfully peppy and also incredibly stupid, which is mm-hmm. great. Yes. That is an accurate description of a lot of songs in Elvis movies. Yeah, it doesn't get much more vapid than a song about straightening a rug. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Precisely. And, you know, Kilmer does not get enough appreciation for his dancing in this movie because a lot of these are full frame shots. That's a lot of hips. And the way he's moving his hips and his legs is, I mean, it's beautiful and it kind of hurts me to watch because I'm like, how do human move? It's it's very precise dancing. Like in every single one of these, in every single one of the Elvis numbers, he's a really precise dancer. and, And he has nailed that style. Yeah. Yeah. He's really got it. Yep. Yeah. And it and it just makes the rest of his character so much better because you have what yeah. is essentially like an idiot savant where he would walk <laughs> into walls if people didn't steer him away. But the minute he's got a microphone, he has his finger on the pulse he's of the all culture. over it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So after uh jumping out of an airplane with a U-Haul logo on the side and some parachute talk, we end up down in our, our set Wait, piece we, with we, we Go ahead. To, we panned to the right. To the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Yes, as mm-hmm. well. Oh, so the, the parachute gags, you know, he starts falling faster than Hillary, and she goes, "Oh, Nick!" And he comes back up to meet her to have the conversation. Yes, yes. which yeah. is mm-hmm. a beautifully dumb gag. Mm-hmm. It is, and then of course they kiss, and it pans it's over, over to and there's a, a, a yeah fireplace parachute. A fireplace also on a parachute. Yep. You know, just mm-hmm. just again, I love the callbacks mm. in this. They're all beautifully done. Yeah, there just aren't enough of them. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. Exactly. Well, uh, we're in the cow pasture. There's a they they go over their plan with a very very detailed model. Mm. <laughs> the model is great, and this is one of my favorite sight gags in the movie, where they're looking. Uh, Nigel is looking through the binoculars, and he sees the prison, and he sees the cows, and then the cows step through the frame of the binoculars and keep walking forward yes. through it. Mm-hmm. Non sequitur. You don't notice it yes. if you're not paying attention. I love that bit. I don't really love the uh, uh, calf suckling on the on the teats joke or the bull coming to give it to the cow at the end joke. But you know what I do love? I love the joke where two guys put on a cow suit and then there's a <laughs> and then there's a cow with boots and yes. very regular circular spots walking amidst other cows <laughs> because that is amazing right it's like That's it's a fun. really good disguise people it's really weirdly good but also not that good but really good. I, well, I think it's an that's awful great. disguise when they're putting it on. But as I soon know. as they have it on, you couldn't tell it wasn't a real cow. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Except yeah. except for the rubber boots and the perfectly circular <laughs> the spots. Perfect circle <laughs> spots. Yeah, that's the that's the the disconnect there that I think makes that joke work for me. Is that, I love that bit. Is that it's like yeah, otherwise it's a cow, but it's great. What makes it even further like that that last step that just is the chef's kiss for me is that there are no farmers. 
There's no hurting. No. It's just, it's soldiers, <laughs> soldiers marching them in and out like they're prisoners. Yep. Which is great. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't make any sense, but that's the premise. So we gotta we we're just gonna go with it. Yep. 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 Yeah, why are they hurting cows? Why are why, the cows yeah, in the why prison? Are why are the cows there? Prisoners need milk, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So there's a plan, and they they turn off the thing, and they cut the fence, and Val Kilmer can come in, and they throw a they throw a, a grappling hook up, but with a guy on it, and he flies up, which is a you they, know, what, they also throw the grappling hook just straight up into the air. Well, yeah, the first time they throw yeah, it, and they run away, and they look up and go, ah, yep. and run away. Yeah, and then the, the second time the guy gets thrown up with there, they, there's a one the one guy gets punched off the. Uh, off the side of the building and falls and, and shatters into a million pieces, which is which was in every commercial in yes, 1984. It is an amazing that. non sequitur. I want to say that scene where Deja Vu is forced to kind of hold himself up while the other guys climb up him is marginally funny until Chocolat Mousse gets up to the top and says, you're all right now, I'm here. And he just makes it worse. Yes. <laughs> I love that bit. He's like leaning on his arm and he's like his knees on his head. He's just, he's making a, a total hash of things. It was bad enough before you got here. Now, uh, we, we discover that Nigel, the boyfriend from the Blue Lagoon, is the traitor. He ends up uh, being... Dun, dun, dun. I mean, he ends up being sodomized by a bull. Is that right? Is that basically yeah, the joke here? It. Yeah, it happens. yeah, that's the joke. They, I, I don't care for the joke either. I do like no. that they continue it when he confronts Hillary, and he is, and he is bow-legged and walking uh, very having, uncomfortably. Having a hard time walking. Yes. I think yes. if you're going to do that joke, you carry it to the natural. I guess so. Yes, I agree yes. with that. But it, it's not my favorite joke either. However, uh, I appreciate the commitment to the bit. Everybody, hang on, because what happens next? is one of the <laughs> finest jokes of 1984. It's a reference to Sir Freddie Laker. Oh! Right? Right? Boom! Take that, airline entrepreneur Freddie Laker. <laughs> Boom! Kids kids got Freddie Laker and L. Ron Hubbard jokes in 1984. No, really, they did. They just didn't want them. They name-checked Freddie Laker, <laughs> and I'm like, is that the cheap English airline guy and i looked it up it's like yep that was him i'm like why do i, I, I even also know had to go to, to wikipedia to look up who yeah. freddie laker yeah, was. i did, I did not get look. that reference i knew who freddie laker was but like i don't know why i knew that because why would a 13 year old <laughs> kid know who sir freddie laker is and why would anybody want to joke about it yeah i did not get that reference but I also did not go look up that reference because I just sat back and appreciated the fact that there was a reference in a 1984 film that I did not get. Yes. <laughs> well, he suffice it to say he was a rich guy who decided to create a budget airline and it was a big flop. That's oh, basically that awful. So, so, Jason, I thought you were, when you were building up to the... Um, greatest joke of 1984? The greatest joke of 1984. I thought you were going to refer to the Pinto blowing I did, too. Oh, man. Yes. Well, oh, you, you burnt Pinto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a joke they had left over from whatever movie they were making in 1975, I guess. Yeah, uh-huh. Both of the kids thought that was hilarious. It, I you know, was, though I had to explain what a Pinto was and why it would be hilarious. It, it's funny. It, that, that, that's one that's funny on its own. It is. Yes. It's, it's absurd that it's like there's a slow roll and then at the very last second there's <laughs> a little very ting tiny when they hit the bumper. And then kaboom. And then they explode, and then the guy in the back explodes independently. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that sells it. I'm not. Hey, exploding guys are funny, Steve. No one disputes that. It's it's cartoon logic. It's funny on its own. If you know about Pintos, that's it's the just real shading, joke. right? But yeah. 
but comedy it's, it's gravy. Just funny. It, it is strange that it's 1984 and they're making a Pinto joke, but it is a funny <laughs> joke. I, I I liked it too. We we've skipped over the real brilliant joke of 1984, oh. which is oh. the forced perspective joke. With the phone oh, in the yes. foreground and the the German in the background and the phone rings and he walks over to the phone and picks it up and the phone is actually gigantic. A giant phone. That's a good joke, people. They do this large thing that's really not a, that's really a small thing and vice versa joke like two or three times yep. and yeah. every time it kills me. Yep. And I love beautiful. it every time. Because I'm an idiot. Yeah. And, and they immediately beautiful. follow that with the guy directing these, oh, all these cars are coming out and he's waving them around and they're just driving in a circle. Yeah. Yep. That's yes. great. Yep. I don't oh. like that. So uh, Val Kilmer chases uh, whoever he's chasing on a motorcycle and there's lots of like jumps and stuff that are ridiculous. And they're like, yeah, that's totally him Mm -hmm, because it's a it's a silly, a silly Elvis movie. Um, He finally catches the bad guys and they have a fight in a saloon underwater in the river. They have a fist fight. It is stupid. And it's progressively again, it goes on too long. It's kind of amazing, though, really. the pinto blows up is when I kind of tap out of the yeah. So, so if Thunderball <laughs> taught us anything, it's that you know how you make a movie less interesting is you put it underwater because then everything is very slow, and then you have a fight scene underwater. <laughs> very slow. Yeah. But, 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 but I have to say that while watching it this time, I was like, how did they pull this off? I because, yes, oh, yes. No, I, I couldn't stop thinking about oh, how they pulled that's it off. All I wanted to know. Technically, yeah. it's very impressive. How many takes does it take? Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine Val Kilmer can't watch this movie because he's like, oh my god, I almost drowned ninety times in making yes. this movie. Yeah. Oh my god, no, because how, how they have to set up the scene there, there's got to yeah. be continuity it just seems like yeah, there's a have, lot of they people have dive, treading they have, water they, they yeah. have like people with with oxygen who are there yeah but it's still it's very impressive technically it, it is also slow and, and and boring i i appreciate the ludicrousness of the fact that very quickly it becomes a complete western saloon set but it's still mm-hmm. underwater that and that it is, just continues yeah. to expand i do enjoy that yeah like yeah. it you know if they had they had done you know hey there's a chair here and smash the chair and oh now there's a table hey now there are cowboys they could have stopped somewhere along the way didn't need it but i liked it <laughs> reasonable people can agree to disagree on this <laughs> i think this is this is the point where when this scene sort of feels like it's dragging on forever where you realize yeah an hour and a half is just about <laughs> uh-huh <enough. laughs> yeah yes <laughs> we're about to get our big casablanca ending <laughs> There is one scene that I wanted to at least mention because I find it kind of brilliant and also extremely peculiar, which is you've got, so you've got our heroine, Hillary. She's very excited to have been saved. She's wearing a very tight sweater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then her this... boobs glow Blue red. She yeah. sees him and realizes he's alive. It's yeah. Jason, I'd like to explain yeah. if I could. <laughs> please, 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 please do. do. Oh no. I believe this is a reference mm-hmm. to the 1982 movie E.T. in which E.T. Ah, had a yes. glow. <gasps> okay. You okay. are correct. This sir. is what I believe and at the time Neil Diamond had a very popular song. Turn on your heart light. light. Yes. Oh my God, why do we all know? Make it shine wherever and you go. Wherever yes, you yes. Go. We, we all know the song, Jason. We do. But, but why? Why do we all know the song? Somebody explain that part to me. I thought I thought the boobs glowing red was weird enough, and now I realize that everybody on this podcast knows Turn On Your Heart Light by Neil <laughs> Diamond. That's the weirdest thing yet. My parents only ever agreed on th- three things 
ever. The first was that they should get married. The second was Neil Diamond is amazing. And the third was they should get divorced. So Kelly, did your parents, did your parents have the Neil Diamond only rule in the car? Because for one horrible (laughs) year, no, for one horrible year of my middle school life, my parents couldn't agree on any other soundtrack and wanted no input from us on road trips. And so we listened to nothing but Neil Diamond for a year in the car. So what I'm hearing is that her breasts glow because of Neil Diamond. Is that right? That sounds about right. I believe it is them yeah. doing another topical joke about, uh, yeah. related to E.T. and Neil Diamond. and, and yes. But it's boobs, but you boobs. see. Well, that is not set up well No, at it all. is not. Now, see, I, I have seen E.T. I have heard Turn On Your Heart Light many, uh. many times, and yet I did not get that reference. In fact, I wrote down in my notes, after all these years, I still don't understand why her boobs glow red. And I'm still not convinced. <laughs> the reason that I think it's brilliant is because... The way that she's posed and the way that she's dressed, it's very, I'm just speaking for myself here, it's very hard not (laughs) to notice her boobs, okay? The movie is like, look here, and then they glow and you're like, oh, movie, what did you do, right? Like, it's like (laughs) one extra level. But if if it was an E.T. reference, if if the the bikes had been flying or something and then her boobs glowed, I'd be like, oh, right. But no, it's just, she's just happy to see him, I guess. I, I didn't say it was a good reference. I just no. said it was a reference. <laughs> no, but you're you're absolutely right, Jason. She's she's got something on that glows underneath her shirt, and it makes her boobs look extremely large in that particular scene. And I'm I'm ashamed to admit, I, my eyes were kind of focused in that general area when she walked in. And I was like, <laughs> what? And then they glow. <laughs> happened? Because well, because they looked different from the rest and, and of the movie. And then they glow, and like my yeah. shame grew by four sizes at and, that and very it's moment. Super tight, and she's leaning forward. And it, no, I think it's actually that's why I think it's a it's a brilliant if perplexing joke is that all of the like visual language of the movie, everything that they're doing there, they're zooming in. Like it's all meant. Obviously, the movie wants you to look at her boobs, and then they glow, and you're like, <laughs> "Oh, got me! You got, you got me. me!" Right? Yeah, it's it's that yeah. that really, I like. It's a comment but on the male gaze. Sure, here. it is. <laughs> and then the last uh, the last bit, they because they get on the plane, and uh, I'll miss you most of all, Scarecrow. And sure. there's a Scarecrow mm-hmm. man there, and they Which leave, I and that's enjoy. the end, and the movie is over immediately. That is literally the last joke in this movie. Yes, yeah. not true. It is so there abrupt. are quite a few jokes in the credits. There are a lot in of the jokes, credits, there are jokes including in the credits, a credit yeah. for focus puller, clapper loader, focus loader, clapper puller, puller clapper, yep. clapper clapper, flipper uh. flapper, and then the next credit is for haberdasher. That might actually be a real That's one. The- <laughs> anyway, her boobs glow is what I'm saying. So <laughs> the brilliant un- not set up. Yes. Why can't it be both? Uh, that brings us to the end of Top Secret 1984's uh, Zucker Abrams Zucker Flop starring Val Kilmer and I would like <laughs> final, some final thoughts from everyone about this uh, this film that w- it was definitely a film that we watched uh, Steve <laughs> why don't you tell us how you feel about sure um, I, I, I feel like I've been a little harsh about the, the way this kind of bounces back and forth between Elvis movie and gag movie I don't think it compares to Airplane in terms of funny but I really like it. Um, yeah. I enjoy it a lot. And and it's got just enough brilliant gags that the humor, you know, it, it lands for me. And uh, the musical numbers, I feel like they drag on a little bit, but I like what they're trying to do. I really appreciate they were trying to do something different after Airplane. It just didn't, they didn't really have the right balance for it. But uh, I had a whole lot of fun watching this movie again. And I would recommend it for anybody who wants to have a whole lot of fun. Yep. I uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, Phil, how about you? 
Well, uh, it, it, it's an enjoyable film. I enjoyed it more as a 12-year-old, I'll admit. Um, <laughs> a lot of the jokes uh, uh, still work. Many more do not. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I grown-up Phil wishes they had uh, uh, stuck with the Elvis theme. Because, uh, boy, I really appreciate... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it would have been really brilliant and ballsy to just do a 90-minute parody of an Elvis movie. Movies that no one remembers or cares about. Right, like the Blue Lagoon or Sir Freddie Laker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> take, take that, Elvis! Ha ha! Yeah. No one will remember you now. Lisa, how about you? I think this movie what's good about it basically rests on Val Kilmer's performance, which is guileless and sincere. He's never making fun of the role. He's never making fun of the character. He clearly did his best. And I think that goes a long way towards selling all of the dumb jokes in the movie. Underrated in the uh, Kilmus canon, as it were. <laughs> Wait, there's a canon for Kilmus? Why haven't we fired that off yet, Jason? Yeah, we, we, it's, just, it's, it's not time. It's for next it's week. It's not time. It's oh. not time. You got to be patient. You got to be patient, Steve. Get out your Kilmus calendar. and uh... We haven't opened enough windows on the advent <laughs> calendar yeah. for Kilmus. Just to combine what Lisa said and Steve said, I, I do think one of the reasons that the movie is so likable, even mm-hmm. when it's not funny, is is essentially Val Kilmer is the movie, which is like, yeah. oh, you're just such a likable lug and not every, you know, you're not, you're not that bright, but you're just so likable. And they're like, that's, the- he's not condescending to the material, which I think is what really sells it. Um, mm-hmm. Cause one of the most annoying things about any of these movies that are meant to be, uh, you know, parody movies is when one or more of the act- actors in them does like the smirky side eye to the camera or their whole performance is yes, yes, isn't this a lark or yes, yes, this is a joke. And mm-hmm. Kilmer never cops to that. Like he he comes off as a plausibly dim-lidded, musically talented star. <laughs> yeah. And I just really appreciate the fact that he plays it so straight. This is the very last time. So enjoy it while you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, wait, Top Gun was after that, right? Oh, yeah. Everything was yes. after. This yes. was his oh, yeah. first uh, yes. movie appearance. This was his first, first film. Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought Real yeah. Genius was around this it's time, next. too. It's next. It's later. just after. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right after. Yeah. Think of how often like Bruce Willis would turn and smirk at the camera in Moonlighting. Mm. You know, how, how they all do that. When they do that in this film, it's very much that slow, like, are they still watching us? Mm. Sure. Yeah, mm. they're still there. And they never break the character. Which is, it's hard to break the fourth wall without breaking the character. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts, David? I, you know, I love I love a good mashup of incongruous things. So, you know. This Elvis, is that. Elvis plus <laughs> World War II yeah. film. Combining these two things is, you know, this, is, this might have been influential for me. I don't know. Yeah. But because I was always watching the Muppets and Monty Python and oh, God. Marx Brothers. Top and Secret is what broke David. The Goon Show. <laughs> oh, no. Mm-hmm. Kelly, final thoughts from you? You know, I think overall, uh, this movie is worth more than a truckload of dead rats in a tampon factory. <laughs> you know, I've often said that. I. I it's, it, it's very silly and it's very fun and. I feel like if you can let the sort of creakier bits of it kind of slide off, um, like if you like visual humor, you know, visual gags, they're here for you. And if you like goofy wordplay, there's plenty of sauerkraut for your later Hosen. And if you like something that's just sort of a clever setup that pays off later, like all those kinds of things are in here for you. And so that's one thing 
that I really like about it is that it's not like, oh, this is the part that's all sight gags. Like there's there's always a steady stream of whatever it is coming at you, but in many, many different forms. And that's one of the things that, that I really like about it. And it was really fun. Like at the end of it, I felt better than when I started because I had just spent 90 minutes giggling at things. And you know, some of them were silly and some of them were not. And some of them are really goofy things that I can see coming all the way up the movie. And I still laugh at them every time. You know, I would have finished my tunnel, your tunnel, you know, and there it is. And, you know, like every like every one of those like that, like I know exactly what's going to happen and I don't care. And it's still funny. Yep. And I really like that about it. That is going to wrap up this episode. Let me thank my panelists one last time. Steve Lutz, thank you. Thank you, Jason. Oh, my God. Is Kilmas still going on? I swear to God, if I hear the choir of children sing wonderful Kilmas time one more time, I'm going to lose it. I know, right? Well, we're not quite done yet, but it, it is getting more commercialized every year. I don't care how long they practice. Philip Michaels, thank you. Thank you, Jason. I know a little German, and he's been listening to this podcast. Oh, no! <laughs> Lisa Schmeiser, thank you. Thank you. This was so much fun. <laughs> Kelly Gamont, thank you. As always, it's been a delight. And David J. Laura, thank you. Jason, I shall miss you most of all. <laughs> and thanks to everybody out there for listening. We have one more week of Kilmas. Can you believe it? <laughs> Uh, but until we see you next week for our last installment of this great Kilmer celebration, remember what we learned tonight. Let go and let Kilmer. We'll see you next week. <laughs>